0: G'day and welcome to the latest edition of Why the World Needs Good Life. And today's message is entitled Divine Interruptions. Now, we have had a bunch of people asking, when are we going to get back to church? And my response has been, aren't we already doing church? Isn't what we're doing right now remarkable? Uh, There was a big interruption to get it to that point where we're we're doing it. Here we are, in homes, on screens, bringing church and homes are being sanctuaries for the Word of God to be received and to be discussed, this is absolutely brilliant. But I know what people are asking when they say, let's get back to church. You're saying, when are we going to reinitiate face face-to-face services? And we are juggling, no doubt, there are government regulations and health acts. And hey, we could get together, but you can't sing. And we decided we wouldn't just want to hum praise and worship, but we'd want to give God our all in praise and worship. And so we're juggling all of those different, uh, I guess, uh, parameters, around getting together and how we do it. We want to make sure it's safe. We want to make sure it's awesome. We want to make sure that it's a service you could feel proud to bring a friend to. We want to make sure that we could run kids ministries safe and all of the things that we need to do. And so for the time being, we are still doing it this way. But I know that you've got faith that we're going to continue to build the kingdom of God, love each other, reach people, and then be strong disciples in Jesus' name. So that it'll be happening. I'm sure it'll happen over the next uh, month. I'm pretty sure that we're going to see those restrictions uh, loosen so we can start church services face to face again. But online services will still be available for all those people that can't make it for one reason or another. Now we're on to divine interruptions. And since God set up the planet and put Adam and Eve uh, in the garden, a perfect situation, um, God God has had a perfect plan, but yet sin puts a pause on that plan. Now, when sin puts a pause on God's plan, he's always looking for someone to come with a divine interruption to that pause to get things going again. God wants the best for his people. And so there's always divine interruptions. You read through the Bible, there's ups because there's heroes but then there's downs because there are villains and villains often just walk away from God and lead the whole nation away from God Um, so here's the deal when those tough times come I like it that men and women of faith aren't alarmed but they realize that great people strong people tough people capable and influential people are formed and then propelled in tough times and then it takes an interruption because God wants to empower us. Jesus came to earth to be an interruption to the status quo. The world system was oppressive for so many people and Jesus comes as a divine interruption and in Luke chapter 10, the book of Luke and you can turn there right now if you want. If you've stolen a Gideon's Bible from the hotel, you'll find it on page 1038. But if you want a digital one, you could download one right now if you want. version app is the one that I love. Y-O-U version. And that Bible is with you all of the time. It's audio Bible as well. So many great things. But we're going to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to talk about this divine interruption so here we go verse 25 on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus teacher he asked what must I do to inherit eternal life what is written in the law he replied how do you read it I love it how Jesus answers a question with a question. And we'll get to the reason why. This is, he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my Neighbor, this is an interesting situation because you've got an expert in the law coming to test Jesus, and he is not at all insecure about the fact. Jesus is fine with you testing him. And in fact, if you don't know Jesus, if you're thinking this Christianity is foreign, it's an easy test. Say, God, show me yourself. If you're true, show me. If you're real, reveal yourself to my heart. There's a great test. Don't sit back doubting, ask him. God, if you're real, you can ask. And God is not at all insecure about it. You can test him in these areas. And so the expert in the law stands up to test Jesus and he answers with a question, So the expert says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He goes, well, what do you tell me? What's written in the law, mate? How do you read it? And he asks to see your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks to find the contents of the heart of a person. You just have to listen to the words that come out of the mouth. And so Jesus is looking for a heart response And he gets it through the words of this man. Actually, it's interesting because one of the greatest divine interruptions I find in my life is when I say something and go, "Ooh, did I just say that? Because it reveals the position of my heart. And I want my heart to be committed to God. So when I say things that might be negative or cynical, or fearful, it reveals an attitude of my heart. And I've got to say, God, I want to bring that to you. And so this divine interruption, Jesus was actually walking this guy through a divine interruption by saying, how do you read it to wait for a response? He asks to see your heart. It's interesting at different times of life, our heart is revealed as Jesus waits and brings a time where we can speak. It's interesting when uh, Jesus was getting anointed, you find this in John chapter 12, he's getting anointed for burial by a lady called uh, Mary and she breaks a costly oil of spikenard j- jar um, on Jesus and it would have been really oily and sticky all over him and it was worth a, a year's wages and everyone knew it and it would have been an interesting quiet silent. Could you imagine being one of the disciples just watching going, wow, I did not expect that. Like, this lady is interrupting. What? But they would have been, would have, the smell would have filled the room. And then there was one person who spoke, which revealed his attitude and revealed his heart. It's amazing when there's an extravagant offering, how people will speak out of cynicism, and it always sounds slightly spiritual. Judas, the guy who was betraying Jesus, the guy who was actually had his hands in the till, the guy who was cynical said, shouldn't that be sold and given to the poor? Sounds spiritual, doesn't it? And when people give a great offering of time, it's amazing how people get cynical about the church. When people give a great offering of their finances, amazing how people get cynical about church. But the truth be told, that person has an opportunity to stand up and to give of their own accord, of their free will. To speak cynically around offering time says more about the person saying it than it does about the person giving their offering or the cause that they're giving to. Jesus allows our words and responses to actually show the condition of our heart and that in itself is a divine interruption. This expert responds to Jesus, well well, this is how I read it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus says you've answered correctly, do this and you'll live. And then the expert wanting to justify himself. Now here we go, here's a guy who, well He wants to actually find out how little can he get away with. I want to justify myself because the Bible says, love God with all of you got and then love your neighbor as yourself. And so to work out what, what he can get away with and the little that he can do, and I don't have to do more than I really have to do. He says these words, and who is my neighbor? In order to justify himself, he asks another question which gives room for Jesus to answer. It's amazing that to justify himself, he said some words. He asked questions. How would I know the words that I say to justify myself? Because it's easy to justify our inconsistencies. And this guy shows the pattern. It's amazing that justification of ourselves when we want to justify ourselves really only ever exists in an echo chamber. I'm I'm glad that this guy then went to Jesus and asked these questions and didn't go to his old mates who would have said exactly the same old thing. Mate, don't worry, you'll be fine. But Jesus answers in an opposite spirit revealing the fact that he was justifying himself and helping him come to life. It's amazing the echo chambers that keep our justifications and our inconsistencies, um, we we keep them because of that, because they're confirmed by those around us. Uh, One echo chamber is cynicism. Act cynically, speak cynically. And I tell you what, the only way that you can keep it is by having cynical people around that actually confirm your worst tendency. Psalm 1 says, don't sit with mocking or scornful, but don't walk with them. Why? Because that is an echo chamber that you will actually end up justifying your inconsistencies, become a cynical, bitter person who withholds when it's time to actually give. Cynicism exists within an echo chamber. Another Another thing that exists within an echo chamber is fear. I love it when I've got people around me that say as a friend, hey, Dave, there's a fear in your life. You're actually acting out of fear right now. I actually tackled fear. I had a fear of needles and it happened because of an accident early in my life where I got stitches and they had to stick that needle into the open wound. And since that day at age five, I've had a fear of needles. And I decided, you know what? I don't like fear. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. I know the perfect love of God casts out all fear. So I went, I'm going to get this fear and I'm going to send it where it needs to go. So I thought, I know where there's a free place that I can deal with my fear of needles and that's by giving blood and I went with fear and trepidation but I went because I don't want an echo chamber to confirm my worst suspicions and my worst actions and actually continue on with fear I went to a place that challenged my fear not confirmed it in an echo chamber here's another thing that exists within an echo chamber and that would be racism now racism exists in the hearts of people that forget that God has made all of us in his image, that God literally and figuratively put color into the world by his design. We should celebrate that. We should appreciate God and all of his people in every form that they come. Racism only ever exists in the hearts of people. And I tell you what, we've got to make sure that we are not an echo chamber that allow that to continue. So when there's a joke, when there's a comment, when there's an exclusion, the last thing that we should be allowing is a nod or a wink or a smile or a condoning glance or a walk away from a situation that we should be actually saying, hey, that's not cool. Let's not do that. Let's not be an echo chamber for bad. Let's be an echo chamber for good. Now, there are acute racist acts of suppression, And it requires a different method. And I would suggest any Christ follower, if you want to go about actually changing the world in this area, then look at the example of Martin Luther King Jr. Look at this man and find out what he did and how he went about it and literally changed the face of his nation. And he did it from a passion for God and for all of God's children. It's amazing how though racism continues to occur or is allowed to continue to occur in an echo chamber where those small acts or large acts are overlooked because we don't want to create a stir there are other echo chambers that continue on and and help and allow people to justify themselves to justify themselves one of those echo chambers could be the news sources that you're watching can i let you know that if the news source that you watch read listen to cannot give an opinion to the negative or to the positive of a certain person, then you are listening to an opinion piece. You are listening to a narrative. Let me tell you what, politicians, let's pick one, our prime minister. He's neither the devil nor an angel. If you think so, either of those, then you've got it wrong. If you think he can do no good or if he can do no evil, you've got it wrong. He's a man. And so you want to see both sides and realize an echo chamber will mean that you just hear the same opinion over and over and over again. I would suggest get out of that echo chamber and see both sides of every single story. Holding on to an offense is also something that continues to exist in an echo chamber. I'm so glad for friends that say, Dave, it's time to get over that. Friends, uh, wounds of a friend, the Bible says, are faithful. Your echo chamber will confirm your worst tendencies and preconceptions and to those... Jesus divinely interrupts. I love it that Jesus gets involved and to deal with Mr. I'm justifying myself, Mr. Holy with no humility, Mr. Echo Chamber that no one has been game enough to speak to him and challenge his preconceptions. Jesus rubs his beard and says, let me tell you a story. And we start in verse 30 where it says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and everyone was now listening. You could hear a pin drop because you shouldn't leave Jerusalem for Jericho. It's a dangerous road. Jerusalem's the place of promise. Jericho was the place of nastiness and the flesh. Don't go there. You shouldn't do that. So everyone's listening. Jesus continues when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead, which I think is a medical inaccuracy. How you could be half dead? I have no idea. Like a battery. It's either working or it's not. They're so dramatic, those batteries. But the deal is this guy was attacked. And all the people, all the local Jews listening to this story would have said, look, it serves him right. He should have never left. It's not safe to go there. And he got attacked and he stripped him of his clothes and his Nike Air Force Ones and they beat him and they went away. And people would have said, well, you know, you made your call. You didn't have to do that, mate. That was the wrong thing. Everybody knows that. Jesus continues. He's got them all sitting on the edge of their seats. A priest happened to be going down the same road. Oh, Okay what's the priest going down there mate well let's see what happens what does the priest do in this situation and when he saw the man he passed on the other side now we're all called as priests we would know that from the bible but if you're trying to justify yourself then you'll assuage your discomfort and your guilt by blaming them not yourself the priests isn't that what the tithes and offerings are for the priest should have done it i can't believe that But if you're into blame in any kind of way, you could blame the government or climate change or the economy or big business or unions if you want. But the deal is, it's easy to justify and go, well, I'm not the priest, obviously. And so Jesus continues the story. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. Now, pretty hard to get out of that one. Levite was a person from the tribe who was dedicated to the service of God in the house. And not, not great roles of leadership either just serving, just cleaning, through to the point of cleaning things in the church. That's all of us, absolutely all of us. And Jesus says, that guy saw him and passed by on the other side, says, look, it's not my fault, but it's certainly not my responsibility and pretends like he was, couldn't see and just kept on going. But a Samaritan as he traveled, and that's where everyone would have actually gasped. A Samaritan, whoa, Jesus, we, we don't do stories with, with, with Samaritans in it. Would have been like when Bruce Banner bows to King T'Challa in Infinity Wars and I'm not gonna be good at the so I'm just gonna say that he says, look, we, we just don't do that here. We don't do stories with Samaritans in them, Jesus. They're the people we don't like. Ladies and gentlemen, racism is not a new concept it exists in the hearts of people that don't understand God's plan for all of humanity. And it certainly spices up the conversation. Everyone is now waiting, what's gonna happen? Because the priest didn't do the right thing and then the Levite didn't do the right thing. And everyone knows if you listening to a story with a moral, then I'm one of these people. What's the lesson to learn? I'm one of these people. And so the Samaritan, what does he do? He came where the man was, exactly like the priest and the Levite. And when he saw him, exactly like the priest and the Levite. And then he took pity on him. Not the same as the priest and the Levite. The Samaritan said, it's not my fault that this guy's in a ditch, but it's my responsibility. I'm not going to walk by him. Maybe because he remembers the time that he was in a ditch left half dead. Samaritans were hated by Jews and vice versa. So he would have seen the Jewish guy, unmistakable skin color unmistakable no shape unmistakable by a lot of different areas and he has pity on him and he doesn't hold the sins of a large people group against the one person who's in the ditch brilliant i love the attitude of this man this Samaritan because his heart had compassion he did something about the issue the issue in front of him wasn't systemic racism it was one of God's children in a ditch there was someone who needed my help and I remember when I was in a ditch It was a man in a ditch, so he allowed a divine interruption. This Samaritan was going somewhere and he was divinely interrupted. So he then went to him, the Bible says. Jesus said he saw him, he had compassion, took pity on him, and then he went to him. We get to, as Christians, as good lifers, go to people, get involved. Listen, it takes sitting down and understanding to realise where people are at so you can be a part of the answer and to be a friend. I know people who reject Jesus because of dipstick Christians. Those Christians tick me off. So what do I do? Do I go there and argue with the person? I'm going to sit and I'm going to have a cup of tea at minimum, maybe a coffee. If I can have a meal so I can actually listen and I can find out and I go, you know, that would have hurt. You know, to get involved when you go to someone, it takes time. It's a divine interruption. But didn't God give me the breath in my lungs? Didn't God give me the time? Didn't God get involved in my life? Didn't God send someone to get involved with me? Interruptions allow me to include and invest into individuals. But he doesn't just go to him. He then bandages his wounds. It takes, if you're going to actually help out, to get dirty, to actually get involved with someone. This Samaritan gets involved. And he does that for some time. It's amazing. Sometimes we want to tell people, you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have been on the road to Jericho. You shouldn't have been traveling alone. You shouldn't have done that. We want to say the shoulds of what people should and shouldn't do where the answer is very clear. Get involved. Go to them. Have some compassion. See the person in a ditch. He pours on oil and wine, which is interesting. I found out doing some study it's actually a great antiseptic mix oil and wine but the picture from the bible is the wine represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilt at this time it's Jesus saying that it's before he's died and his blood is spilt and so it represents the the, the blood of the sacrificial lamb for the Passover and they all the locals would have known that which is a picture of what's to come with the life of Jesus Christ and the oil represents the Holy Spirit which is the anointing of the Old Testament right now that the Holy Spirit exists within our life you want to bring some healing you've got to get involved we want to bandage some wounds it's going to take some time some cost but then I've got to have enough of the blood of Jesus the the wine to be able to share and the oil of the Holy Spirit to be calm and to be merciful and to be gracious and to be loving in those situations the oil and the wine is a great antiseptic and healing mix the Holy Spirit and Jesus in our life then shared in someone's life is a brilliant antiseptic mix and then he put the man on his donkey and that's when everyone would have said why is a Samaritan riding a donkey because a donkey speaks of royalty through the Bible and all of the listeners wouldn't have would have known that King David rode on a donkey. King Solomon rode on a donkey. We know that Mary on the way to Bethlehem rode a donkey because she's going to bear the living King. God come to earth, we know that. And later on down the track, we know the stories Jesus enters into Jerusalem triumphantly on a donkey, they represent royalty. And so this man, this Samaritan is in a position of privilege, although he's from the people hated down the road who are often not privileged. They've received hundreds of years of racism. Oppression, he gets off his donkey and then says, you know what, mate, I'm going to put you up there. Uses his position of privilege to actually serve the person who was in the ditch. I remember when I was in a ditch. I remember that people found me. I remember people that came to me I remember people that included me. I remember people that got involved and it took time and it took money. And I'm so, so glad. I don't ever want to be a Levite or a priest who sees and walks to the other side. I want to see someone in a ditch and realize I could be a part of the answer for this person. And so I've got some privilege. I, I, was, I was raised in poverty. I was raised with with beautiful parents but disability to my mum with a massive car accident changed our socioeconomic situation and so I did not grow up with any with not much privilege at all I grew up with little privilege but whatever privilege I do have surely that's to be used to help the person in the ditch not to stand above them and say you've done wrong or to yell or to shout but to get involved and love The guy with the donkey brings him to the inn, took care of him. It's amazing because a covering that he gave, love covers a multitude of sins. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. That would have been about 600 to 650 Australian or New Zealand dollars right there. He gave that to a guy that he didn't even know with the skin color of his enemy, the people that have harmed him over the years. He did that with such generosity and this would have interrupted his savings plan. I'm saving for something great, and I'm going to fork out that amount of money for someone I don't even know that made their decisions poorly and they ended up in a ditch. And God, you've why do I have to? And He just does it willingly all of that money for a guy that he didn't even know and didn't understand why he was in the ditch, but just had compassion on him and got involved to actually help people that are in ditches. It takes an interruption, a divine interruption to the savings plan. And that's why every single year at Good Life Church, we have a heart for the house um, offering time, one offering, extra offering every year that we could say, you know what? My savings plan is actually for the kingdom of God. There's people in ditches. And I remember when I was in one and I'm not gonna sit back and hold that resource to myself where God has given it to me for a purpose to get people out of ditches he's given me the resource he's given me the breath in my lungs that I would be able to work for that resource an offering time ladies and gentlemen is a divine interruption and you could be a priest or a Levite or a Samaritan heart for the house this year there'll be local It'll be a local cause. And I'm going to ask every single good lifer to stand behind your campus pastor and say, whatever it is we're going to do. Two campuses, we're building daycares this year. Why? Because we want to serve families in the community. We want to open up our venues and possibilities to be able to reach more and more people. We're going to fill buildings And so sometimes it's going to be some refurbishment. We're going to open up programs to be able to reach those people. There's going to be reach and there's going to be building and refurbishment things. And it's all to serve people. It is all to serve people. It is all to create a place that people could be served from. We're gonna feed people, we're gonna love people, we're gonna help families come back together. We're gonna to get kids off the streets. We're gonna reach into universities and homes and suburbs. We're gonna do great things in the coming year because we realize that the savings plan gets interrupted for a divine purpose and that's to help people. That's the whole plan. It's also going to be global. We're gonna continue and believe God and stand with the Auckland gang through to the establishment of it. There's been a big pause called coronavirus in New Zealand, but we are gonna go forward with strength and with faith like never before and ramp that up and reach people. There's already been great things happening in New Zealand right now. We're gonna continue to believe God and to stand firm until we see that established, but we're not gonna stop right there because God's called us to plant churches. And if you want to be a part of Global, you can give to that as well. The divine interruption is when I see someone in a ditch and God goes, it's time to actually bring that resource. He gives the two denarii to the innkeeper and look after him. He said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any expense you may have willing to be consistently generous was this man. And so Jesus stops and looks at the teacher, the expert in the law. And he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Jesus divinely interrupted the ditch that I was in by someone who invited me to church and by people that welcomed me. And when I got there, people that chatted to me and someone who made me a cuppa and someone who had previously prepared some food for nibbles afterwards and someone who'd cleaned the place and someone that ran a connect group and someone that ran a youth group and someone that fed the hungry there were so many people that prepared a way so that I could walk in there and Jesus divinely interrupted the ditch that I was in Jesus saw and approached me he got involved and he paid my price and inspired other people to do the same is the same the big theme of this whole scripture is the world needs Jesus and we get to bring Jesus to the world by this wonderful people that God's put together called Good Life Church. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him couldn't even say the word Samaritan. So Jesus just told him, go and do likewise. This comfortable man of faith, the man living for his own applause, justifying his inactivity, trying to work out what was the least that he could get away with, was arguing the word with the word. How's that for irony? Has a great divine interruption where Jesus says, go and be the Samaritan. Go and be the one that finds people in a ditch. You know what I found out? As soon as I forget that that's what Jesus found me like and that that's what he wants me to do is I start to become just like this expert of the Lord justifying myself for my inactivity that I think church is for me and not for everyone. I start to get cynical around offerings. Instead of Jesus restoring to me the joy of my salvation, you've given so much to me, it's my honor to give. There's was a divine interruption. And now, if I realize Jesus got off that horse and he got involved with me, then I've got to realize that he used every privilege to come to the earth and to show me how to live and to get involved in my life and pay the price for my sin and so now i get to use every single privilege that i possibly have whether it was given to me whether it was whether i inherited or whether i've worked hard for it every resource, every talent and every opportunity to help every person that I could find with all of my energy. I was in a ditch and others used their privilege to help me out of the ditch. They saw me, they approached me, they got involved and they were generous. And so now I'm the person out of the ditch. I'm I'm I, If I'm not the person in the ditch, then I've now become either a priest or a Levite or a Samaritan. The priest and the Levites see, but cross over to the other side. They live for self and they justify, or I become the Samaritan that now sees people and approaches and gets involved and gets generous. There is no other option. I'm either the priest or the Levite or the Samaritan or I'm in a ditch. And so if you're not in a ditch, it's time to choose to be the one that acts mercifully. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. A divine interruption to the diary, a divine interruption to the budget but a divine interruption that now is divinely resourced by heaven. You might be in a ditch though. You might be the person and Jesus sees you. He approaches you. He gets involved and he's generous towards you. He came to earth. He lived to show us how to live, but he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. I'm so glad because I so need that. I mess up and I need Jesus. I'm so glad I need it. But I tell you what, every one of us need it every one of us need it and so today if you want to say yes to Jesus come into my heart be the savior of my life God I'm in a ditch and I need to get out of this ditch I need you then right now how about you bow your heads and close your eyes and every screen in every home and every place pray this prayer after me just like this dear heavenly father I thank you so much for your love for me despite my sin and mess You see me in my ditch and you approach me and you get involved and you bring the answers to heal my soul, to forgive me of my sin and give me a brand new start. So Jesus, today, I ask you to come into my heart to be the saviour of my life. Today, I make you Lord of my life. I want you in every decision and every moment of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you said yes to Jesus, either for the first time or coming back to him, then we would love to continue to help in that journey. It would be our honor to be a part of that and if you're watching on the online platform in the chat there's a button that says I said yes to Jesus and we've got pastors waiting to chat with you like right now we would love to connect and we would love to help the best of the best is there right now because that is the best decision that you've ever made and we so want to encourage You with it. If you're not watching on the online platform in some other way, then we need you to go. Please, would you go to goodlifechurch.com.au or goodlifechurch.co.nz and click the easy links and let us know? We would love to get in contact with you and help you from that point. It's such a great decision, and God's got a great future for your life, and we'd love to encourage you and assist you to continue to grow. But right now, there's some people here today, and the challenge is that we would be the people that say, no matter what the privilege I've got, that I want to use it for the kingdom of God. There's people in ditches and God, I want to be a part of your answer. I want you to divinely interrupt me out of my current state so we could change the world and not just think and hope and pray about it, but actually do it. So right now, if you, if you you're wherever you're at, lift your hands and close your eyes, but receive from God because I believe that the world needs good life and we're going to bring Jesus to the world through good life. There's cities of the world that have got a good life shaped whole. There's your friends that have got a Jesus shape whole and you get to bring with the spirit of faith love you get involved you bring oil and wine you get it you you get off your donkey and you love that person with generosity we're going to change the world so Father today I pray Lord God a strength Lord God onto every good lifer you've called us Lord God you've had compassion on us Lord God you've seen us and you got involved and you got us out of a ditch we choose not to be the ones that see and walk by on the other side of the road but we choose to get involved God I pray Lord God that you would give a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of grace and a spirit of healing and a spirit of peace, Lord God. I thank you for every resource, Lord God, that you give to every one of your sons and your daughters, Lord God, that we would bring your love to the world, to our friends, to our family, to our workmates, to those in our place of study, Lord God, in our neighbourhood, in every city that there's a good life, in every place right now. God, let your spirit reside in our heart that we would bring the change to our world that we've already received from you. In Jesus' name, amen.